Episode four of season two coming up next. And during this season, y'all know that we are focused on reflecting back and thinking about what we have learned and what we're learning throughout this pandemic, throughout this time of multiple crises. And we knew going into this season that there would be moments, there would be situations that come up in the midst of the season that we would have to address and confront. And one happened last week. As you all know, there was a shooting down in Atlanta and several spas that was pretty clearly connected to violence against Asian American and Pacific Islanders, a community that has seen increased violence certainly over the last year, although this is not a new phenomena here in the United States. And so as you all know, we like to start our episodes off with a pep talk. And Drew, I know that you have some insight and something to offer to our community in ways that we can help the AAPI community. So what do you have for us, Drew? So as an Asian American man, it is tough right now. And I'll admit it's a hard place because it can impact you both directly and indirectly. And so I share this because if you have Asian friends, coworkers, neighbors, that you reach out to them and just talk about what's going on or see if they want to talk about it. Because my guess is they're going to be quieter because that's what we are taught from families that are from Asia. You know, we are taught to really isolate the pain and not speak out. And what has been so comforting is seeing this generation of Asian Americans really speak up and also big shout out to Jeremy Lin using his platform so really this is a call out to our audiences to reach out to your AAPI communities and your BIPOC communities because if we want to practice anti-racism we have to extend it to all different races Welcome to the Men Up Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I am Christian Shabu. Drew Chin. Will Van Dyke. Lamar Wobble. And thank you for joining us this week and every week as we dig into culture, current events, and our own events, and as we redefine manhood and masculinity so that we, however you identify, can all thrive. The way we like to start off our episodes is with a segment we call the starting lineup. It is my turn this week to pull the question. Cool. Got it. Okay. The question is, what is one taste that excites you? And when was one of the first times you encountered that taste? So uh, for some of you who don't know, uh, my family is split across the world. Uh, My dad's side, most of them reside in the United States, but my mother's side of the family, uh, they all live in England. And so we go over there often to visit them. And uh, one time we were there visiting, they took us out to this buffet over there called Jimmy Spice. And we're eating, ate all the you know dinner food and all the appetizers and all that and gets the dessert. And my brother comes back to the table with these little syrupy looking balls of dough uh, dripping in syrup and sweet bread. Uh, and they're called gulab jamuns. Um, they're, it's Indian dessert. 
And my God, like I ate that and I was like, this is the best thing I've ever, 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 ever tasted in my life. Um, they are so good. Um, and so you don't get them a lot in the United States. You could probably get them, but um, I didn't have them again. That was like 2015. I didn't have it again until like two, two years ago at my friend's wedding. He, uh, he married an Indian woman and they had it there. And uh, oh, so, so delicious. Everyone needs to eat them. Gulab jamun, so good. The very simple uh, <clears throat> answer here is chips and guac. It's, it, is, it is the best flavor combination and, and texture combination in existence. I don't know when the first time I ever experienced it, but I, I had it even last night and it was just like a different variety of guac that somebody else made. And I was like, this is the best thing I've ever tasted. But I'll say that about the next variety of guac that I'll get. Like it is just always, always consistent and good. Um, however, I will say that there is one, after this came to mind, there is a uh, restaurant in New Orleans called Mother's. I still think about the sandwich that I got from this place. They put like this, like, it's just a mishmash of meat and juices. It's almost like a, it's sort of like a French dip style where you get some of the meat in whatever else you get. So you're getting a meat layer and then also the other additional parts of the sandwich and you're getting the juices from all the meats that they've cooked from the day to dunk it. It is just, it's fantastic. I'm hoping it's still there. I don't know if it is or not. I've been back in many, many years, but it's one of those things that like, I am just generally excited about thinking and, and talking about right now. Like, I hope it's, I hope it's still there. I feel like everybody has at least one New Orleans food story of like, oh my God, here's this one food and it's from New Orleans. So shout out to New Orleans being an incredible food city. Drew, what about you? Mine dates back to 2013 and I was just looking up when it was after a half marathon and the item I got to chase was, is called a pandejuca. And basically it's also a small little ball with essentially cheese inside. Um, it was part of this meal. It's a Colombian meal. My wife is Colombian. Um, that is called onces. And it's basically like just loading up, in my opinion, all carbs, which was perfect after um, running. So Panjucas, go check them out. So what you're just eating? Yeah. That's literally what I was just having. You know, when we record, sometimes we bring some snacks to the table. So I've actually, the thing that, a taste that excites me, y'all have seen me drinking it on the episode here, it is like the thing that I drink more than water, which is iced coffee. And I love coffee. Like I think folks sometimes think I like it because of like the energy boost type thing, which that's cool, it does that. But there's just a taste about coffee that I've loved since I was a kid. And I think that there are memories connected to that too. I can remember you know, being six, seven, eight, sitting down at the table with my mom, my grandparents, my aunts and uncles, and they'd sit down and have a cup of coffee and just like chit chat and stuff like that. And they'd let me have a little bit of coffee then too. And so I think that there are some fond memories, but also the taste that just like, it does something for me where it just like gets me alert, gets me ready to go. It is game time. So here in season two, y'all know that we are thinking about each episode in a way of what have we learned or what are we learning in a certain area of our life. And today, Drew, you have got it for us. So what are we focusing on? Today we're focusing on what have we learned um, and saying, I'm sorry. And so to kind of get everyone set up, the Men Up podcast crew has done a little bit of a quiz. Um, there is a doctor by the name of Gary Chapman 
most famously known for the five love languages. Well, he also has something called the five apology languages, because as we were prepping for this, I was thinking, I'm sorry is often just the thing we hear, but essentially it is framed up as an apology. And his whole argument is if you want to better communicate, there's different ways to communicate to someone in framing your apology. So um, to the team here, I'm just going to ask quick, um, and we'll go around the room and I'll, I'll, I'll prompt you. One, what was your apology language? And two, if you can kind of just share with the audience, like, what does that mean to you? Because they may have, may have never heard of that. So my apology language is expressing regret. I'll say that it was very, very close to also accepting responsibility. Like they were kind of like 33%, 31%. So really close. When I think about expressing regret, what comes up for me is that if somebody can acknowledge that they've done wrong, if it's, if it's with me, like that they have to apologize and like they proactively do it, like it, it doesn't become like a conversation where, you know, I have to like sort of identify that I'm hurt or, you know, there's this thing that's between us. Like they just are proactive in saying, I'm sorry. Like I'm good. We can keep it pushing. What I hear you say there should be is there's a relationship to it also like the, the timeliness of it. Right. Like, does a does an apology feel any different for you if if it's right away saying I'm sorry versus like a week later? Yeah, absolutely. And I think some of my sort of processing of some apologies that have been very public recently for folks, you know, I'll give some examples of whether it's like Chris Harrison with The Bachelor or Justin Timberlake with things that have like happened over the duration of 20 years. Right. Like, I think timing matters a lot. Right. I think you know, an example with Justin Timberlake and the apology for the Super Bowl fiasco with Janet Jackson and how he was kind of silent, the fallout from some of the Britney Spears documentary that's come up recently, the fact that it's been 20 years and now there's some sort of apology. To me, that apology is like pretty hollow, right? And, and so if I were in that experience, if, if it was 20 years before somebody said, I'm sorry, I'm like, yeah, that's great. You're going to have to show me a lot over time before I actually think that that apology is serious or sincere. So expressing regret is Shabu's. Will, I'm going to kick it over to you. What was your apology language and what did that mean to you? Mine was uh, 40% accept responsibility. I think it kind of fits in line with the way I treat apologies is that I, I, I internalize them first. I don't necessarily expect them from other people. Um, and so I, you know, I focus on, on, you know, what I need to take responsibility for and what I need to apologize for. So mine was genuinely repent. And I think when I hear that, I'm like, oh, like, damn, <laughs> like, don't, don't wrong me. It, it sounds kind of aggressive, especially because it takes me into like a religious mindset and I'm not religious at all. So it kind of put me in a weird space, like, what am I, what am I asking of people? But I think, and I expressed this to you when I was taking the quiz, is that I actually answered these questions as if I was giving the apology. Because I think similar to Will, I don't expect apologies from anyone. Um, I don't expect people to have uh, the capacity to know when they're wrong or to know when they've hurt me. And I think what that does for me is that like, it just kind of quiets my thoughts about what other people think so that I don't have to concern myself with that. You know what I mean? Cause I think there's a lot of stress that comes from um, expecting people to give you things that you didn't discuss um, and expecting people to give you things that maybe uh, you do want, but they're just not ready to give. And so I think 
um, I don't even, I just don't even bother. Yeah. What was really interesting when you text me that Lamar, um, I just want to share this with the audience. A lot of the theory in any communication is the way we want to give communication is also the way we, we prefer to receive it. So what's so interesting is even though you said, that's how I, I think you said Merle Lamar, that's how I would want to give the apology. There's some bias of like, that's how I'd want to receive it too. It's a little bit of the golden rule though, isn't it? Do unto others and as you would do unto them or, right? oh no, the golden rule wrong. <laughs> that has to get discussed, right? That's get discussed to be like, well, this, if you're going to apologize, this is how I need it done. And, you know, similarly to the love languages, like if I'm going to show you love, how do you need it done? So maybe that's a step that I actually need to take. I think it's interesting about apologies because it's kind of, again, getting back to like, what's my needs versus what's the other person's need. And an apology is relational. So Lamar, you brought up something and I'll offer it up to the group. I'm kind of curious, like, can we talk about like, what happens that triggers you're like, oh crap, I need to apologize or say I'm sorry to someone. I don't know how you guys are, but when I get into um, a conversation and it's I'm getting frustrated, um, my voice elevates a bit, and you know, in Zena's mind, and even in the mind of others, uh, particularly women, they they think that my voice is like like raised, like you're raising your voice. And when I think about raising my voice, I'm like. I think about actual yelling, you know what I mean? And, and I'm like, I'm not yelling. Like I'm just in my frustrated state. Right. And so trying to, trying to say, okay, I hear you. And in your view, I'm yelling. So let me dial it back so that I'm not immediately making you get defensive and step away from this conversation so that we can actually finish it. Because one thing I want more than anything is to be able to finish the conversation and, and come to a resolution and if I'm not able to do that, it's very frustrating for me as the person trying to give an apology. So the story about for me and accepting responsibility as my apology language, I, it literally just happened um, while we were on break. Saw a work email come through, basically an HR partner helped us secure this in, um, senior leader speaker to be a speaker at one of our leadership programs. And the HR partner's like, hey, what's going on? I haven't heard anything. Is it done? Yada, yada, yada. And what has been done is we took the HR partner off of the communication because we're like, we'll just handle it, right? We got the access, working with the admin assistant. And so when I wrote back, immediately I was going to say like, I'm so sorry, you know? But instead what I wrote is like, I, I need to own that I took you off and I did not follow up and tell you like, it's done, it's secure. And then I wrote, I'm sorry. And, you know, what comes up to me to, to realize like I need to apologize, I'll be honest, is like a little bit of a shame trigger of like, I should have blank. And I'm working so hard on language to really acknowledge like, when is the right time to say I'm sorry? And when is it not, for lack of a better word? And this was totally the right, because I was leaning into mine of like, I accept that responsibility. I, I see how you didn't know that. It was a missing communication. I own that. My, my trigger is very uh, fragile. I guess it it's it snaps very quickly and I'm and I'm constantly worried that it's almost it almost dilutes my apologies because it's so quick to be like oh I'm sorry all right I'm sorry like it, it almost is like am I over apologizing saying I'm sorry too much you know I, and I and I want to be careful about the way that I pose this too but it's like 
because I, I come to this thought probably not fully formed, but I think that like women have this uh, a lot too, in that they end up apologizing for a lot of things. And it's actually like a, it's been like this sort of cultural thing with, with women that they, that they find themselves apologizing more often than they really should. And, and I'm, I'm not necessarily comparing myself to that, that particular cultural thing, but I, I, I look at the way that I apologize. A lot of things are like, I, I don't know if this is necessary. I might be doing it too much. Does that mean that when the real apologies need to be met, are they, is it way, is it, is it less effective because I've said, I'm sorry so much? I think it was season one when you mentioned changing your language from like, I'm sorry for being late to like, thank you for waiting for me. Yeah. And I was like, damn, that's so good. And and to your point, like culturally speaking, I see these things on like the female lead Instagram handles of like, that's, that's what you say. It's not, I'm sorry, this, I'm sorry, that. I think what I try to do is, is acknowledge and appreciate the, the person, you know, who, who might've rolled with the previous conversation that I miscommunicated or whatever it was. So I think there is a little bit of, of uh, changing language but also it ends up sort of dancing around an apology, if you will. <laughs> like, it's just like, at least now that now saying it out loud, this is the first time I'm sort of going through that reconciliation in my head, I think, but, but that I think that, I think I am doing that at least professionally. Shiba, what about for you? What's, what are your kind of triggers to be like, Oh, I had that. Oh shit moment. Or I need to apologize. I think for me, it's always really helpful to, throughout a day, have some quiet time, right? Some space, whether it's like reflecting in a journal or just like some quiet time where there's, you know, not on a phone, not watching TV, not on a computer, right? Because it's often in those moments where I have a moment, have a breath to think about interactions, particularly like personal, right? Like I, I think, when so bringing up this topic around I am sorry, the place I went to immediately was like the majority of like my personal relationships. I didn't really think about work all that much. But I think having that space to just like consider like, oh, what did I say? What did I do in the moment? Like, was there anything? I think that's always really helpful. And I think the other thing that's always a little bit of a trigger in it, I think it's mostly like powerful way. And I've mentioned it on to you guys and on this podcast before is, you know, with so the experience that I had like very early in life with my dad, where there was this moment where I like, was really frustrated with him and all this kind of stuff where I felt like I needed some apology from him, didn't get it, right? Like there was some distance between us. And I remember, you know, not saying I love you to him, right? And it was like literally the last moment I had to say that to him, right? Never got another chance, right? And I say all that because there's a little bit of a, of a switch for me that like, in, in all of my personal relationships, like I keep coming back to that place. Like I want to make sure that I tell that person how I feel, whether it is I love them or I am sorry, like as soon as possible. Because in my mind, there's this thing of like, you never know, right? Like that could be the last time. And so I think that that's a thing that like often pushes me to think about, you know, what are the things I need to apologize for or say I'm sorry for? I'm not saying that I'm like 100% in integrity around it, right? Far from that. Chip in a Bottle is the official sponsor of Season 2 of the Men Up Podcast. Chip in a Bottle is a chocolate confectionery specializing in handcrafted truffles and sweet treats. I can promise you that the detailed hand painting on each piece of chocolate, the silky smoothness of the gelato, and the delicate decadence of the French macarons 
are unlike any dessert experience you've ever had. I especially love the Nutella milk chocolate truffle. Mmm, so good. Visit chipinabottle.com to get any of the dozens of unique flavors shipped to you or your loved ones. Chip in a Bottle is the new taste in chocolate and the official sponsor of the Men Up podcast. If you think back to like what the heck we're going through, 2021 plus 2020, the crap period, whatever you want to call it, what are some things that you've all found yourself needing to say like, I'm sorry for? I mean, I can say that I can be real dismissive in my words and in my tone. And I think that that's a thing to, to be sorry for, right? And, and it's, a, it's a, probably perhaps a, a small thing, right? But those small things add up, right? And so I think about the terms that I use often in being dismissive when somebody's sharing things are like, oh, that's crazy. Or, oh, that's ridiculous, right? And it's like, when I have a moment to step back and think, well, hold on a second, like, what was that, what was that person actually saying? What was that friend, that loved one, that partner, my mom, what were they actually saying? And what did me dismissing it, what did that actually do? I end up apologizing just for like not getting to a hundred percent complete on something. You know what I mean? Like I get 90% there and then I'm just like, Oh, well moved on to the next day. I got distracted by something else. You know, I struggle with giving myself a break during normal times anyway. So like part of me wants to like, just be like, dude, you got, you, you gave it, you gave it the old college try. <laughs> we, we almost, we almost made it. We almost did it. Then some of the parts of me wanted to be like, you're a grown ass man. You're a grown ass adult. You need to do your shit and do it all the way. And so, you know, that's that internal dialogue. I think that sometimes happens. Where I find myself uh, apologizing the most, particularly during the pandemic is like to my partner. Um, and I think it goes, so a little bit about what Will was saying, but like, you know, I've always, there's been moments in, in my relationship in the past where like, I, I felt like I haven't shown up. Um, and in those moments where I feel like Zena's needed me the most, not necessarily in my opinion, but in her opinion, she needed me the most. I, I haven't, I've been compromised and I haven't really shown up. Um, and so I kind of live with that, like that shame and like some of the guilt that comes from that. It just kind of like sits on me to the point where it's just like, I don't want to do anything wrong. And, and when I do, it's like, here comes like the, the over apologies and it, it may not even live in like over apologizing. It may live in like me being super, like walking around gingerly, like, Oh, I just don't want to, I don't want to get on her nerves or I don't, I want to stay out of the way or I don't want to um, uh, say the wrong thing. So it kind of manifests its way in that. This what this topic was the one topic when I was like, talking to you know my wife about about the podcast in general she was like you know what are you guys going to cover stuff like how to say i'm sorry and stuff and i was like oh yeah i mean we could and then here we are you know basically a year later maybe that was a innuendo to say like oh i'm sorry for taking two hours every sunday (laughs) you got to you got to figure out how to say you're sorry for taking two hours out of every sunday morning but um but, but, but in all honesty, I think the partner dynamic is an interesting one because that, that is, you know, the, the, the part where I want to make sure that every time I say, I'm sorry, it's, it's needed and it's effective. I'll add like as a parent, you know, and to kind of do the thread of our last couple episodes, 
I'm going to shine up like this is me not being perfect parent because I'm far from that. You know, we talked about what we learned from parenting. I've learned that part of me needing to even do therapy from the previous episode too is like, I just need to unpack some stuff so it doesn't show up in my kids. In other words, literally, I remember getting him ready for bath and, and you know, parents get this. It's like, you're on the clock. They got to go down or you got to get them ready before you go to work. And I'm just like, work with me here. But they're on their own mind, right? Lamar's laughing because he knows this. And I'm just like, I will lose it. I will, it'll literally look like the hot steam coming out of the kettle and loud. And then, you know, these little people are like, and you all can't see my face, but it's like gaping. And then usually tears coming out because dad just lost it. And then that's where I find myself apologizing most being like, wow, like your dad, Papa just lost it. And you bared the grunt of it. Like you didn't need all that. I'm frustrated you know, something else before bothered me. And I'm sorry you felt that. And I didn't know how to handle it. Part of it is something you just talked about, Drew. And it's on the piece of flip chart paper right behind Lamar, which says forgiveness is for you, right? You started that example, Drew, by talking about that, like, if you don't unpack this stuff, this is ultimately what the impact would be, right? So, but it starts with you. So I think that like, that's a powerful level up. So I think a lot of times when we talk about apologizing or we talk about expressing regret, we think about what's, uh, I won't even say we, I think about the impact for the other person rather than, well, what's the impact for me, right? I, I put my impact secondary to theirs when perhaps it's a, it's a shift, right? Like it, it's actually the impact on me is probably primary um, or at least just as important. So I think that, that can be a powerful reframe. I was going to say almost the exact same thing as Shabu there, where it's like to be an effective apologist, you have to be introspective too. And I think that's such a theme that we've carried, you know, throughout most of our episodes, but, but, you know, particularly the last few here is, you know, just that understanding of thyself to a certain extent and, and getting to a place where you are projecting that internalization too it helps with the effectiveness like making sure that you know you've given it the proper thought that the person receiving it you know actually maybe feels that you've given it that proper thought apologizing is about like being humble enough to kind of like shrink your ego down to say that you know i i did something wrong here and i can look myself in the mirror and be like all right, something needs to change. I need to step up and apologize. Um, and then it's like having the vulnerability in your own life to be able to say, uh, I hurt someone or this hurt me. Um, and then the last part of that is the behavior change, the accountability to then say, I'm going to check myself whenever I see myself going down the path that led to me having to give this apology in the first place. And I'm going to pull myself out of that consistently. And how do I consistently reflect on that day to day um, so that I'm not showing that behavior to the person that I had to apologize to, that I'm changing, adjusting, growing. Um, and I think that's the part that kind of gets left out of apologizing is that like, recognize you need to apologize, apologize, but then how do you consistently make a new promise to yourself that this is not how you're going to show up anymore? And I think what we often are desiring, I know I am desiring is like, so what's your plan to make sure that doesn't happen again? Cause I got hurt, you know, I got burned, <laughs> like tell me. And I guess I'll share, I think the level up here too is um, 
saying you're sorry. I read this or I heard it in a podcast. Sorry and owning the apology is closure because you need to have closure from that moment, that event in order to move on and progress. And I guess as I think about what is going on in the pandemic, how often is life continuing where like someone's not apologizing, whether it be like our direct relationships or like for the, the racism that is going on. And let me be clear, sorry doesn't fix it, but sorry progresses us on so that we can get to the next thing to help improve everything. And also just because you're apologizing doesn't mean someone's going to accept it, right? They don't have to accept it. They may not want to talk to you ever again. And guess what? That's why it's for you because you need to get that burden off of your chest so that you can move forward and not feel guilty for the rest of your life, right? That's real. Yeah, real quick. What do you all say or even like teach others, be it like the young people you work with, or your kids, like in a response to receiving an apology? When it came to apologies leading into this and certainly before that quiz, it was very black and white. You say I'm, you say, I'm sorry, I say thank you, and then we move on together. Boom done but there's so many layers in all of it which is so i'm fascinated to hear what you guys have to say about what you say in response because now i'm thinking like it's probably more than just thank you or it's there's different things too yeah sometimes i feel like receiving apologies like receiving a compliment you just kind of like yeah 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 yeah. no no i appreciate it you know that's cool yeah 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 yeah. no it's fine you know what i mean like you just kind of dismiss it even when it's just like because it's so weird it's which sometimes it's weird to get a compliment like someone like really big up in you and it's also weird for someone to feel bad because they feel like they're wrong you and you're just like no it's just not a big deal like you know thank you so it's kind of weird to kind of dismiss it in that way sometimes but i feel like i find myself doing that you know my kids are especially my youngest two-year-old almost three the first thing he says it's okay and my whole point is i'm like but it wasn't you know, and what's so cool about thank you, especially when it's just thank you and you give the space, you know, what we're teaching our four-year-old is like, did his apology make you feel better for what he did? And she'll be like, yes. So like, you need to thank him for that, you know, for him owning it. And, and to your point, Lamar, it's, it's hard because you're right. It's just like complimenting. It can feel dismissive because it's that vulnerable space of like, I'm going out of my way to give you a compliment or I'm going out of my way to say, I did something wrong, my bad, I'm sorry. And it's hard. And I, and I feel like as humans, especially as men, it's just uncomfortable, so we just want to dismiss it. So it's like, oh, it's okay. We're like, thank you. I think that sometimes too, at least from my perspective, there's a, little, there's a little bit of like level setting of the situation, right? If sometimes, you know, there are moments where somebody's apologized to me and I'm like, oh, I didn't really even think that, that was a problem. Right. But thank you anyway. Right. So, so I think that like sometimes there's a, there's a give and take, there's a level set there. And I think what all of this is bringing up for me is that, you know, apologies are not all created equal, right? Like yeah. there are, there are small slights that might happen between friends, family members, loved ones, whatever that, you know, there, there's an apology that can be pretty simple. There are also some things that we might do or might be done to us that are actually really significant and, and deserve much more than just an, I'm sorry. Right. And so, you know, talking about these apology languages, I think, at least for me, offers a lens of like, oh, there's probably, given whatever the situation is, like there's probably a, a way to apologize here that fits best, right? And so then that's just about being thoughtful about your response. Saying an apology too soon for the other person and they're like, you're not ready to 
like accept that. So we're gonna come back to it essentially or whatever. And then and then on the other side too, just being like, I'm still feeling burnt. I'm still feeling burnt by this situation. I don't like it. I think it it it's you know whatever. I'm not, but I'm still saying thank you for them for acknowledging it. I guess. And then I'm saying, but but like we're gonna talk about this later. I got a question for y'all. How do you tell someone that they hurt you? For anybody, but especially as men speaking to another man, like how do you verbalize to another man that he hurt your feelings? Like literally, what are the words that you use? Because I, I for myself, like I had to start using those words like that hurt that hurt my feelings. I think mine is just typically like oh, I didn't I didn't like that. That did not make me feel good. Like, you know, I, I don't I don't use hurt and, and those sort of things. And so sometimes I just don't care if I'm talking to a eight year old or a 38 year old. I'm going to say like, you know, I, I don't feel good about that. I don't know what I say because I'm terrible at it. And I think a lot of it is I don't have great models for it. Uh, I think if I had to lean on it, it'd be like, that doesn't, to Will's point, like that doesn't, that didn't feel right. Um, I think depending upon the relationship and the closeness, I may, I may say like, you hurt me. But I do think it would be a different language and professional setting versus personal. Um, you know, with my wife, I can, I can use personal language. Um but like to another man, whew, you know, that's hard because to your point, like, who do I tell my feelings to, right? Are you and I okay? You know, can I, can I, have I gone there in the past now to be able to go back to that vulnerable space of like, dude, listen, that cut me deep. You know, that hurt me. I can't think of the last time that I felt like one of the guys in my life that I needed to tell them I was hurt or frustrated or, or yeah, something like that, that, that needed an apology, which is then making me think about like, okay, I've had those conversations with the women in my life, whether that's like mom, partner, whoever. So is what's happening here. Like I'm holding the women in my life to, to a much higher standard or, or a harsher standard, however you want to define that than I am the guys in my life. And I'm willing to just like excuse what would be hurtful otherwise. I don't know, but that's what's coming up right now. Like, I need to look at that a little bit. You know, we used to work with a guy who really taught me in one conversation to be like, it's okay to say your feelings are hurt. I felt empowered to say it. And I've used it in conversations with men, group chats, uh, just to be like, to literally just to be, so there's no questions about this. Like, you, there's no need for you to interpret, like, by me saying what Will says or saying what you said, like, this hurt my feelings, let's just be clear, right, um, for me. And so, yeah, I, I would love for, for all of us to be able to be that clear. So if you're going to build a team because you're a leader or you're on a sports team, like, to me, the best teams are the ones that are in it together. Meaning, look, if someone wants to call out someone else because, like, they're not performing right, like, they have built enough trust in their team. To, to say that because I'm in this together with you. If you struggle, I'm going to struggle with you. Your performance impacts my performance, but like building up enough safety in that environment, you know, in corporate, they call it psychological safety. of just saying like, I need to be able to name when that did not make me feel good. And it ain't personal. Yeah. And it's not personal, but it's also this call out, you know, this togetherness of like, help me get past this.
you know, cause the response then should be like, someone should be listening to you. And then it's like, what can I do to support? Or what can I do to help you with that? Versus like in other cultures, it's so close ended. It's like, all right, whatever. I don't care. Like I'm not doing anything. And that's just not together. I wonder, is there anything going back to our theme of the entire season? Like, is there anything from this time, this pandemic, this place of being in crisis in all sorts of different areas, like in our society, like, is there anything we personally have learned about saying I'm sorry or apologizing or our relationship to apology that we are going to take with us beyond this moment? Saying I am sorry is special. I'll say that because I'm someone that overuses it. So my takeaway is be mindful of when to use it and how to do it and don't overdo it. You know, just being mindful of when I'm going to use it and how I'm going to make it effective rather than using it as sort of the default. Maybe I'll just keep throwing in, I fucked up on the lighthearted ones <laughs> instead of, I'm sorry, <laughs> save the I'm sorry for the real ones. <laughs> this way, you know. <laughs> and now our whole audience knows if Will's going to Yeah, now it's out there. And yeah. It's in the universe. If, if I say, ah, I fucked up, you mean, you know that I don't really mean it. <laughs> <laughs> There's the trailer for this episode. <laughs> that, that's going to be the name of the episode. I fucked up. Oh, no, for real. When it is time to say sorry for real, that you have a structure and a framework to be able to do it and do it properly. And so that's why I think, um, you know, what, what I was talking about is like, humility, vulnerability, accountability becomes so important in, in your apology is that like, yeah, we can dismiss apologies left and right saying sorry, but like when it really comes down to it, do you know how to do it when you need to apologize for hurting someone? And are you willing to, to own that? The way that we framed this episode was with the three words, I am sorry. And I think being able to say that full stop, and then if there's more context to offer, fine. But I think for me, there have been times where I've gotten in trouble with apologies and it actually hasn't been a real apology because I overthink it, right? It's like, oh, I've got to be able to say the exact right thing. or and, and in that act, I end up watering down the apology, right? So there's a real power in being able to say, I am sorry. Like always, we love to offer resources, ideas, people that inspired us for this level up in this episode and moving forward and want to offer that up to y'all. So Drew, I want to kick it over to you. What do you have for an outlet pass for this week? We'll include the language, the apology language quiz. It's free um, and it's a great conversation to have with others, especially if you have a partner. And then the second one I'll say is it is essentially called, I'm sorry, how to apologize and why it matters. It's two parts. Part one's like an hour and 11 minutes. Part two is an hour and 15 minutes. It's worth a listen. And the reason being is they actually role play slash role model it. So a lot of times what we're trying to figure out is like, how do I say it? Or what does it sound like? We talked about behaviors, what Lamar is saying. This will help you. And I think everyone can find their place in it. All right, y'all. That is it for today's episode. Thank you so much for joining us. We hope that you're leaving with a level up and that you'll join us again for episodes all throughout season two. You can find us on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. You can also find us on YouTube as well because we'll have weekly video segments that are connected to each episode. So please subscribe, review, and spread the good word so that we can all redefine and thrive. We appreciate y'all. The Men Up Podcast is a Grin and Bear production. The soundtrack is courtesy of Mike McGinley Music and visual artwork by Viotti Design Studio. 
Video clips from each episode are edited by Joe Oliveri. The executive producer and editor on the Men Up podcast is me, Christian Shabu. You can listen to us every week on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts or by visiting themenup.com. 